Welcome to a Longer Table podcast, a space for real and sometimes hard conversations that will often challenge your perspective and always empower you to pull up more seats around your own table. I'm your host, Amanda Carpenter. Let's dive in. The conversation you're about to hear is first with birth mom, Mary Ellen. The one that's following is with the adoptive mom of her son, Pauline. So tell me what life was like, how old you were when you found yourself pregnant. So I was 18 when I found out I was pregnant. I had just graduated high school and I had plans of going to college um, that I was really excited about. Um, I lived with my two cousins. We shared a room. (laughs) So I was very young, kind of naive, um, scared. It was an unplanned pregnancy. So I had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) Okay. So you found yourself unexpectedly pregnant. Do you mind if I ask a few more questions about that? No, go ahead. So did you know who got you pregnant? Were you in a relationship with someone? You know, I know you said you were scared and it doesn't sound like the living conditions were ideal and you had these future plans to go to college. And I think being pregnant and having a child probably wasn't a part of that. Exactly. Um, I was not in a relationship with anyone. I wasn't really seeing anyone. It. I don't mind saying this and sharing my complete honest story, but um, it was unconsensual Mm -hmm. sex. Um, I Mm -hmm. basically say I got taken advantage of. I had went to a college party and um, the driver um, did end up taking advantage of me. Um, But I don't remember it at all. So it's not too hard to talk about since I don't remember it. Um, But it was kind of confusing when I was pregnant because I was like, how did this happen? But when the doctor kind of told me the exact day that um, Kendrick was conceived, um, it matched up to that date that I went to that party. How I found out. (laughs) Wow. How did you know you were pregnant? I'm just curious because everyone's journey is different. Like for me, I knew I was pregnant because I was so tired. Like I remember Eric came into our bedroom one day and I had fallen asleep while folding laundry and I'm the girl who doesn't take naps. So like it was a whole new level of tired. And and this was even before I realized I missed my period or anything. Yeah, yeah, I was definitely tired too. Luckily I didn't have any symptom or any like um nausea or anything like that, but I did miss my period and so I found out pretty early. Um so after that I I took a test. I was actually at a concert and I realized I didn't get my period. So I was like, I probably should take a test for some reason, which would be weird if I was pregnant because I hadn't been yeah or anything. So, but when it was, it was very shocking. Wow. So you're scared, you're shocked. I, I mean, again, I hope it's okay to ask this, but did you consider abortion at what point? Or did you think I'm going to raise this child? I'm going to change my plans or I'm going to figure this out? Or what was that like for you? So right away, um, I knew that abortion was not going to be an option for me personally. Um, I also knew 
I could not raise the child. <laughs> so those two options were, you know, out. And basically the only option left was adoption. And I kind of had this idea of adoption in my head because um, the, a few months before was I went to a women's conference that my church hosted. And the one of the ladies on the stage were, was talking about her story of adoption. And she had um, an adorable son that was always running around the church. And she explained her story and how um, she still kind of had a relationship with his birth mom. And although it wasn't a super open adoption, I could just see how much she loved this little boy and how much he was cared for. And it really inspired me. So that kind of stuck with me. So when I found out I was pregnant, I did think adoption right away was going to be the best option for me. I love that. I love that that one person, that one story that you witnessed of the woman at the church had such an impact on you that you knew, I don't want to choose an abortion, but I can't raise this child or I'm choosing not to raise this child. I want what I believe is best for my child, and that is to be adopted. So how many weeks along were you in your pregnancy before you chose a her, a family or, or what was that journey like? Did you go through an agency? Tell us all about it. Yeah. So I had no idea where to begin to find parents <laughs> that was going to raise my child. I did start searching online and um, went through um, a few hundred profiles before I realized it just didn't really feel right for me. Um, I thought maybe I could go to Florida and and do an adoption out there and come back to Chicago and everything would be fine and just forget about it. But then I realized um, as I just became more attached to my baby and then I realized what open adoption was, I was like, you know, I think open adoption would be a way better option for me. And now I'm so glad that I knew that open adoption could be so beneficial, but I really didn't realize how beneficial it was until talking to Pauline and TJ. And I got connected with Pauline and TJ because um, my cousin posted a Facebook status and um, Pauline's sister actually messaged my cousin saying that her and her husband were looking to adopt. Pauline and TJ were looking to adopt. And um, so we made we met through a Facebook status, basically. That is, that is so crazy and so cool. So the Facebook status that your, I think you said, cousin puts up is basically what? Like, I know someone who is in an unplanned pregnancy looking for an open adoption. Yeah, actually, sorry. It was Pauline's sister who posted the Facebook status and my cousin seen it and she sent it to me and she said, hey, I actually know Pauline and TJ because it's crazy, but my aunt used to babysit for Pauline when she was little. <laughs> so okay. there was some ties. Okay, so let me get this straight. Pauline and TJ, a couple you don't know at this point in time. You're in the middle of this pregnancy that you know you want to have an open adoption for this child. Pauline and TJ are a couple who are seeking to adopt. Pauline's sister puts out a Facebook status. Anyways, long story short, it sounds like there was some odd ties that maybe you didn't even know about at the time, connecting you guys, weaving your story together way long ago. And then it becomes even more woven together as you 
end up meeting them or or how does that happen who reaches out to who um I messaged Pauline and I said hey I'm a birth mom um my cousin's seen your Facebook status and um I'm five months pregnant um I would love to I would think I was four months actually um I would love to meet up with you guys and you know they lived in Chicago I lived um, about an hour away from Chicago at the time. So we met up at a restaurant and literally from the moment I like opened the door and seen them, there was just this positive, overwhelming feeling that was so like indescribable because, and I'll never forget it. I just, I hugged them right away and I could just feel that like instantly that they were the ones for some reason, but having our conversation at the dinner table, literally, I think we were there for like three hours at the restaurant. Um, that just assured me that they were going to be my son's parents. Wow. And so at that dinner, did you guys talk about what you both wanted and and as far as like what an adoption that's open could look like yes um so they were the first ones that told me they wanted an open adoption and what um stuck out to me was they said they attended a class that um they had an experience with a um child who was involved in an open adoption and he was saying you know i know my birth mom and i know my my mom and I love them both. And Mm. he knew his own story and he was aware of everything. And I definitely wanted that. And so did they. So So cool. Everything literally was just perfect when they told me that because we were both on the same terms and, you know, our beliefs and our values lined up. So, and, you know, we talked about visits and how often we would kind of see each other um we well we touched on it briefly at that dinner but yeah everything just worked out (laughs) that is so amazing and I know not all of it has been easy it's taken a lot of work and intentional probably sometimes hard conversations and I'd love to get into that too but I am curious let's fast forward to your birth experience. So you're at the hospital having your son who you know you're going to place in the arms of another woman. Was Pauline there with you? Who was in the delivery room? And how was that for you? Yeah, so Pauline, TJ, my mom, unfortunately, I'm going to say for her, um, my friends, there was a lot of people in the delivery room um because of the situation and i am gonna say it was chaotic for the both of us um i think tj was actually outside in the hallway pacing around because it did take um i think it was like six no three hours of actual like labor um but it there was a lot of people there um my mom was not very supportive of the whole thing. So I, looking back, I kind of wish that she wasn't there with me because I had friends there with me that were supportive. Um, so, but, but what matters most is that Pauline was there holding my hand Mm 
and she really helped get me through this because we were both so excited to meet our son and just looking up at her you know just reassured me like this baby is going to be in the best hands do you think a small part of you felt confident in your decision as she and her husband showed you so much love and care throughout the, the, you know, from the point that they met you and this whole thing was decided upon, the way they treated you, was that an indication for you of, oh my goodness, like, yes, I want these people to raise my son and we're going to be tied together forever uh, through this open adoption. Was it through that? Absolutely. They treated me like, (laughs) better than, you know, my own parents who I don't have a good relationship with, you know, I felt as if they were kind of like, like I was already adopted in a way, Mm. which was crazy, but you know, they're young. And, and so like right now we're, we're literally friends. We can, Mm. we can go out to the bars together. We can, we can have movie nights. We can, we talk just not about only Kendrick, but we, we're friends and we're family and we have this special bond, but it was through all of that. Um, you know, they were so caring of my needs. They helped me, you know, pay for my phone bill and just groceries and all this stuff because I wasn't working at the time because I had so much to think about and (laughs) really had to get my, my mental together and just, they were there for me, supportive, um, encouraging. I mean, I haven't even experienced that, you know, with my own family. So yeah, it sounds like it was not only the ultimate uh, family for your son, but for you too, for all of you. I'm going to guess that you don't have any regret in your decision. But I'd love to hear, would you do it all the same way if you were given a second chance? Aside from who was all in the delivery room, I know it sounds like you would do that differently. But as far as your decision to place Kendrick in this open adoption with Pauline and TJ, and a lot of things within that that we haven't even gotten into today, do you have any regrets? Would you do it all the same? I do not have any regrets, and I can say that confidently. Um, I do have like what ifs, you know, like what Mm -hmm. if I had kept Kendrick and what if he was here with me right now? Um, But in those times, it actually reassures me that I made the right decision because like if if I had him, I would not be in the situation that I am in right now. I would not have been graduating college this May. I would not Mm -hmm. have um, had my own apartment and and, you know, got myself together. Um, and he would not have this little brother that he has now and this amazing appearance that he has now in this whole family dynamic. So, um, absolutely. I would do everything the same, you know, at that time, I didn't know what the future held and I just had to trust God and I had to trust Pauline and TJ and I had to trust myself. Um, I, you know, right after birth, I did kind of um I was hesitant I I didn't know if like I I wanted to change my mind or not because I did have thoughts you know like I want to take him home right now I was very emotional 
um, you know, at the hospital, I was very, very emotional after I gave birth, but I'm glad that I wrote myself a letter (laughs) because in the letter that I had opened, um, you know, after I gave birth to him, it said like, Mary Ellen, you're going to be really emotional right now. It's the letter that I wrote to myself. And it said like, you know, your decision is what you have to do, not what you want to do. And um, it's for your son and it's for his life to have a life that he deserves, the life that you never had. Um, So that letter like to myself really helped like reassure me in my decision and because I wasn't thinking clearly at the time. Yeah. So like, who, okay, two things. Number one, I hear kids in the background and I think you're at Pauline and TJ's house right now. Is that true? True. I am here right now for Christmas. Yes. <laughs> see, I love that. I love that, like, you don't just see him a couple times a year, which we're going to talk about how frequently you see them and stay with them and how they really are your family. But, but I just wanted to acknowledge because I was like, I think I hear kids in the background. I love that. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up is how amazing it is that you wrote yourself a letter because you knew that come, you know, the day your son was born would be a really hard day where you might change your mind, which would be okay to change your mind. But I think you were anticipating that you didn't actually want to change your mind. It would just be really, really difficult because of the emotions and the hormones and everything happening. Was that your idea? Or did somebody say, I think you should write yourself a letter? That was actually my own idea. Um, So it was the letter and one other instance of when I prayed, um, it was the day I was leaving the hospital or we were all going to leave the hospital the day before father's day of 2017. And, um, I was crying Kendrick was on my chest. Um, and someone knocked at the door and it was this lady, um, that was passing out cookies and juice. And she's like, Oh honey, like, why are you crying? Like, aren't you going home today with your son? And I told her, I'm like, no, I'm not taking him home. Like, um, I'm actually placing him for adoption and his, he's going home with his parents. I think (laughs) I was like, I think, and she's like, Oh honey, like that's, that's, that's amazing. She's like, I'm, she sat down on my bed and she grabbed my hand and she said, I'm adopted. And I know my birth mom and my mom and I love them both equally Mm -hmm. and everything's going to be okay. And like, you got this. (laughs) That was, and I literally asked God for a sign, like, please show me a sign. Like if, if I'm not doing the right thing and literally at that exact moment, that knock came on the door. So that is so cool. I love when God gives um, signs through putting people in our path or just those little moments. I know some people refer to them as like God winks or whatever, but they're just these moments that you're like, okay, yeah, there's things that are coincidental, but this is like really of all the nurses to be coming around offering cookies and juice, someone that's been adopted who is going to sit down on your bed and look you in the eye and tell you that this is, you know, this is good and your son's going to know you and Oh, I love that so much. Okay, so you leave the hospital. Pauline and TJ leave with Kendrick. By the way, did you choose his name or did they or was it a mutual decision? It was kind of a mutual decision. Um, I had my names and they had theirs and we kind of sat down at a dinner and we shared everything. And when they 
um, came up with the name Kendrick, I, I was not like too sure about it, but I, I didn't not like it. And I think it was kind of one of those things that when I seen him, I was like, this is perfect. I love Kendrick. So they chose and I could not be more than happy. I got to choose his middle name. So his full name is Kendrick Julian Pierce. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I'm so happy. We call there's so many nicknames. We have Kenj, Kenji, <laughs> Kendrick, <laughs> Kenny, Kung Fu Kenny. Oh my goodness. He's so cute too. Like his name fits him so well, I feel like. Um, also on that note, you and Pauline look like you could be sisters. And I know you guys have gotten that before. Like truly, you you look alike, um, which is just pretty cool. Uh, it's just, it's crazy. So everyone listening, you'll have to go look at this picture that we're going to post of uh, all of them together. And you'll be like, wait, which one's Pauline and which one's Mary Ellen? Um, which is just kind of a fun little thing. And I love that this open adoption has worked so well. What do you think's made it work so well? Because I don't, think this would be the case for everyone yeah we know that we are super blessed and usually I just say blessed but like also very lucky um we like I said it was it was a learning experience for both of us um and now it's almost five years later yeah five years later actually um and we've became closer and closer since then since meeting but um we just always are honest with each other always stay in contact you know we have each other on social media we text we facetime we ask each other questions um and like just being honest with each other each other is the biggest thing um like and sharing like the most special moments together you know we might have to do two birthdays sometimes (laughs) you know because there's so many people who love the boys. When I say the boys, I mean Kendrick's um, little brother because they adopted again. And that's been amazing. But like so much love. There's so many people that love Kendrick. And that's what I love the most about this whole thing. Um, So just doing like all those special events together, like his Mm -hmm. first day of school, his his birthdays, um, Christmas, holidays, like it's awesome. Do you ever, have you ever, or do you ever feel bitter towards Pauline and TJ? Do you ever, or in the past, have you ever felt jealous or frustrated or, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm just curious because a part of me is like, okay, this sounds amazing. And I really do believe it's as good as it sounds because I, I know you both now, Pauline and you. And so I, I believe it because I get a front row seat to some degree. I, I'm just curious, though, were there ever those moments that were really hard? Yes. Um, You know, leaving the hospital was probably the hardest day of my life. Um, You know, not taking my baby home with me. Um, But it just comes with acceptance, really, because I had to accept that, you know, he's not just my baby. I'm not his mom. He has a mom and he has a dad and I am his birth mom. Um, So acceptance definitely took me a while, but I really never had any jealous or envious feelings toward Pauline or TJ. It would be kind of more towards 
um, moms, like, like I have a lot of friends that just, you know, when I see a mom and her son in the grocery store or, or women that have, you know, their mom to help them, um, which I don't have, like, I wish I had a mom and dad to help me so I could, you know, take him home, um, with me and, and raise him. But since I didn't have that, this was, this was the best option for me. Yeah. Um, But I love the bond that Pauline and Kendrick have and TJ and Kendrick have like Mm. literally like, I can't describe how special it is. I never had a father growing up. So seeing him with TJ just melts my heart and you know, when me, Pauline and Kendrick like spend time together, it's just, he calls me Mimi actually. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, mommy and Mimi, it's, it's amazing. I, I wouldn't want it any other way. So he's five years old. Does he, obviously he calls you Mimi, you're around a lot. Does he now at this age, I, I guess I'm kind of trying to think of a five-year-old would have the cognitive ability to understand, but does he say like, I was born from your tummy and then this is my mommy. Like how does he, is he there yet with his language or ability to kind of comprehend? Yeah. He's actually four and a half. I just added the few months. Oh, gotcha. Sorry. We met like a few months before, but, um, he is well, like his language development development and just everything is just blows my mind. And it's awesome how he's like so proud of his story he loves saying, you know, this is my birth mom and I came from her tummy. He knows all of that. He knows, you know, how much we both love him. And, and, you know, as time goes on, he'll understand more of like the reasons why I had to choose adoption and not necessarily because I wanted to, but because I had to, Mm. Um, but no, he's totally aware and he's totally proud of it, which, which I love. (laughs) Yeah, that's and so Pauline amazing. And actually encourages him. Sorry, sorry to cut you off. She no. actually, and Pauline and, and, and TJ, they, they are the ones who constantly are, you know, this is your birth mom. Here's pictures. Like, here she is. Like, yeah. <laughs> they reiterate to him, you know, that he's adopted, that, that like, sh- I love him, that like, I came or he came from my tummy and I just cannot be more thankful for them, you know, being so open with him. Yeah, that's so amazing. That's I mean, it's truly, you know, I wish we lived in a world where adoption and foster care, which is a whole other separate thing. Obviously, you're, you know, Kendrick was never in foster care, but just bringing that up as well. I wish we lived in a world where foster care and adoption weren't needed and that everyone had the family support, the resources, the mental health stability, the financial stability, everything to raise a child that they become pregnant with, whether that was by choice or by accident or because they were taken advantage of, similar to how you shared, which I'm so sorry that that was your experience. And I'm so thankful you chose life because, and I I mean that sincerely, because Kendrick is clearly a very special little boy and now is in this amazing family that does include you. It's not like he left you to be with this family. It's like you and your son gained a whole family, which is, I mean, like you said, if it has to be this way, let's make the best of it, you know, and this is making the best of it. But I think what is standing out to me is that it takes 
both parties. Obviously, you did your part of, like you said, you had to come to accept that you are his birth mom and now he has parents and just what all that entailed. Um, But it sounds like a lot of it, a lot of the responsibility falls on those who are adopting to involve the birth parent and not to withhold the relationship out of fear or jealousy or whatever it is. And I'm going to be talking to Pauline next. So I'm super excited um, to dive into all of this with her too. But I kind of wanted to end with, what do you think people should know about birth moms if they personally aren't close to someone who has ever placed a child for adoption? I know it's a very general thing, but what comes to your mind? Anything at all? Yeah, um, not to make assumptions because everyone has a different story. Um, You know, I'm lucky enough, you know, I live close to them. There's so many factors that go into why our open adoption is so open. But, you know, other moms, they could live across the country and they can't see their children all the time. Or it might be really hard on them to do so. They might have other kids. They might you know, have no family to help them raise this child or their financial state. You really never know what's going on in someone's life, but birth moms love their children. Mm -hmm. It's the biggest sacrifice. Um, not, not just for themselves. The main reason is for that baby and the life that they want to give their baby. Um, you know, adopted adopted kids are not unwanted. They are like they are. <laughs> I I it's it's not really good saying this, but it's like they literally are more wanted than ever because there's double the amount of people loving them, and you know, there's families that are longing and waiting to be families and prepared and ready, whereas birth moms are not prepared and ready. But um, they are like willing to live their whole life missing this child and going through all these emotions um, just so they can have a good life. That's so beautiful. Pauline, it's so good to have you here today. I wish we could be in person. It was so fun when we both lived in the same city. And I, and yet I feel sadness that we like didn't take advantage of that. Or at least I was like, oh, I wanted to get to know her better and spend more time with her. But I'm grateful for the you know time that we did get together. And then just thankful for the internet, for connecting, for being able to keep us connected and, and leading us to this moment where we're going to sit and chat about your story of motherhood and all the things. So thanks for being here today. Yeah, thank you so much. And for inviting me to share my story. Yeah. I'm excited. Awesome. I I guess we should probably start at the very beginning, which is, did you always want to be a mom? I feel like that's a lot of times for women an assumption, but, uh, and everyone's answer is different. So I want to give the space for that. What's uh, what is that answer for you and and how did your journey begin? Well, I um, that question's really interesting because I kind of ebbed and flowed my whole life of how I pictured my journey to motherhood. Um, so my family, there's five kids in our family, and then we um, always had foreign exchange students for like eleven months at a time. 
And then we were like, um, welcome families for refugees. And so we just kind of had this open door policy in our home growing up. And so I technically had like my four siblings, um, but our family was always so much more than that. And like Christmas day, there were always like students of my mom's from her community college and, um, always people coming in and out of our house. And so I always knew I wanted to be a mom. I never pictured myself having biological kids. And what's interesting is, so my husband, TJ and I, we've been together 13 years. Um, And on like our very first date, we were only like 18 years old. So we didn't know what we were talking about, but clearly we had something good going. And I said, I just kind of want to tell you, tell you something kind of funny. Um, I actually am really interested in adoption someday, you know, when I have kids, that's the, that's the way that I want to pursue. And it's just like, I love that even though I was so young and so naive about so many things that I did, I kind I did know, um, what I wanted for myself, however many years down the road. And TJ looked back at me and he was like, that's really funny because, I'm also very interested in adoption and Mm. um, we both kind of had similar um, like visions for our family. And then we both had like people in our lives that we were really close to who were either adoptees or adoptive parents um, or birth moms. And so we both kind of had some similar experiences that overlapped. Um, And so we obviously tabled that while we were dating, um, got married and we didn't even think about kids. Um, for the first few years of marriage. And we kind of checked in after maybe three years and it was like, yeah, I still want to adopt. How about you? Yes. I still want to adopt. Um, so that was our plan. And then one, uh, one afternoon we were out, um, day drinking and we were like, how fun would it be to be parents? Like we've been married. I don't know exact timelines, four or five years. Um, how do you feel? And it was like, yes, I want to be a mom. I want to be a dad. Um, but we don't have X amount of dollars to pay for a private adoption. And so actually that day we, um, kind of spontaneously started trying to get pregnant and we ended up getting pregnant really fast. Like on my next cycle, we got pregnant. Um, I miscarried six weeks later. Mm Um, and even though I never, had pictured myself pregnant. It was a really fun journey. And it was really fun telling TJ that I was pregnant. And it was really fun. We told my family like really early on because it was Christmas. And so they're, they're fond memories that I'll always look back on. Um, and so then we we did try for a few months after. And that's that next summer, I was sitting in at the doctor's office and I was kind of doing my yearly checkup. And I kind of mentioned it. I was like, hey, remember I had miscarried um, you know, six or seven months ago. What, what are your thoughts? And she kind of started talking about like guiding me into getting pregnant and um, fertility and things like that. And I kind of had this moment and like, honest to God, I hopped off the, the, the hospital bed or the, you know, um, those awkward table. Yeah. Those awkward yeah, tables the, that the you sit table, on. The weird <laughs> table. And I like hopped off of it and I looked at her and I was like, I don't want to be pregnant. I was like, what I want to do is be a mom. And what I want to do is raise children with TJ. But I was like, I've never wanted to get pregnant. And um, looking back, like I fully, I appreciate Like I honored our pregnancy and I honored like those feelings that we experienced, I think it was like nine months total. Um, But then I also honored like 
what the desire of my heart like truly was. Um, so I went home that day and I said to TJ, I was like, Hey, I, I don't want to be pregnant. I don't think you do either. And he's like, no, I don't. And I said, Hey, we've been able to save up some money this year. Let's do this. And so we enrolled in with an adoption agency, like later on that night. And that's where our official adoption journey started. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. Um, it sounds like when that didn't work out and I'm so sorry for your loss because no matter what the desires of your heart are, when you get pregnant and you lose that child like that, I, I haven't experienced it, so I can't speak from experience, but I'm really sorry for your loss. Then it sounds like, you know, you guys kind of try again, you're you're honoring all these feelings and these emotions. You're navigating all of this. Then you end up at the doctor. It's the doctor that's actually like begins the conversation around what this fertility journey could look like and getting you pregnant that you had a full body reaction to like, nope, I don't want to do that. I don't think that's my desire. And right back to kind of where you guys initially started, you were like, let's go back to adoption, which is truly our desire. Did you, I guess I do want to ask, have you, like some people would use the phrase, like, I feel called to adopt air quotes. Was it that for you and TJ or not really? I don't really know. And I think that's kind of the funny thing about just from this young age, I like, yeah, I had this vision uh, or this hope, I guess, for my future, but I don't know if I was called to adopt or not adopt. Yeah. So you are now with this at the time in the story, you're now with this adoption agency. Take it, take it from there. Tell me what happens. So that night we enrolled, um, with our adoption agency and it was the same agency that good friends of ours had adopted, um, their first son through. Um, and so we had a lot of friends who had ended up using this agency, um, through their recommendation. And so we were excited to get on board too. Um, and they ended up, they accepted us, that month to be, um, to begin the background check process and all of those things. And so that was, um, in July, 2015. And then Kendrick was born in June, 2017. And so it was almost two years. Um, and it does in some ways feel longer that we waited for Kendrick because of our kind of bonus year of like quotes, like fertility and trying to conceive. Mm-hmm. And so I think we started the adoption process, unfortunately, already kind of discouraged um, because of what we had just come out of. Um, and that's frustrating for me because I don't feel like I was able to like engage as fully with um, all of like the training materials or expectant moms that we had the chance to talk to because I kind of had this just almost jaded feeling. Hmm. I'm not really quite sure how to explain, but it was, it was, I feel like we started it discouraged. And then I feel like we had a lot of, um, ups and downs throughout that process. And so it was hard not to feel like is what, what is, what is meant to be our future. Um, throughout our two years, our adoption journey to, um, adopt Kendrick, we were matched with four other expectant moms. Um, and the longest that we spent getting to know an expectant mom, I think was 16 weeks. Um, and then there was one, one, I think one of those was just a few weeks. 
Um, and so those three of those were all long distance. And so we got to talk over the phone and talk over email and talk over text. And, um, those three women all like separately decided to parent, which makes me so, so happy to think about. And, um, looking back, I wish I had felt happier in the moment for them. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's one of the things that I've learned, um, And then the fourth woman that we were matched with, we went to the hospital with her when she was in labor. And so we like named and held the baby. And then we spent three days in the hospital um, with like her and her family. And so we're in all of her (laughs) delivery room pictures. And we, on the third morning, on discharge morning, we were on the way to the hospital with the car seat and everything. And so we called the parents and we said, hey, what do you guys want from Starbucks? And they were like, I remember what he said. He said, we've decided to keep the little guy. And I just, I hung up the phone and I burst into tears. I then handed my phone to TJ. TJ called him back and he said, we're so happy for you guys. Um, God bless you guys. And that, that took a while also for me to process Looking back, I'm so, so, so happy that that little guy got to stay with his parents and I've creeped on their Instagram, you know, every six months and they are, they're a beautiful family and he has siblings now and it, it wouldn't have made sense for him to be placed with us because um, they were able to figure out like family support and all the things that it took in order for them to raise him. Um, but I, I was, I was really angry in the moment and I didn't realize until a few months later, but TJ had sent them like a really long email, just kind of encouraging them and sending them our blessings. And I read that Mm -hmm. email probably a year later on my first mother's day, um, with Kendrick, TJ actually showed it to me and he was like, Hey, it's your, your mother's day. And it's also her mother's day. And I had really appreciated that TJ had done that. He had sent her an email just about like what a wonderful mother, um, Mm -hmm. she would be and how happy he was for her. Well, I'm crying already. <laughs> I, 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 I just want to say I love and appreciate this back st- the backstory to everything because obviously we could have just jumped right in and talked about your adoption of Kendrick, um, but there's so much that comes before it that has made you the woman and the mother you are today. And I love that we're giving space for that and hearing that. I think you've named something really important that a lot of people don't think about, or or maybe they only know one side, right? I hear people, especially online, kind of just screaming like about their failed adoption, quote unquote. I'm not sure if that's the right way to phrase it, but that's what I hear is like, it was a failed adoption, like they chose to parent. And and like you said, now knowing all that you know, you celebrate that. You're like, they chose to parent. This is a beautiful thing. Like, But at the same time, you wanted to parent this child who you thought was about to be yours. I mean, you were on the way to the hospital with the car seat to pick him up. And so it's also unrealistic and I, I'm thankful that you're a real human who lets us in because I, if you would have said to me like, and I just said, that's great. And we turned around and we were like, guess that one's not for us. Like that would be just, I just can't picture it. So I, I love that there's real emotion there and that um, the reality is even though later on you were able to get to a place where you're really happy for them, you're like, this freaking sucks. Like we've gone through so much to get here. Just like even though you weren't physically pregnant with that child, 
you're mentally, emotionally, spiritually pregnant, gearing up to be the mother of this child. And then the rug is pulled out from underneath your feet in a matter of seconds. It's, it's a both and. I think my reaction was appropriate. I didn't lash out in anger at them. I, I knew it was what was right. Um, but I do, I do think that I think it's okay to have feelings throughout the adoption process. Um, I don't think that you need to put your stake into every expected mother or like expect, you know, someone like owes you their baby or like anything weird like that. But I, I do think it's okay to like experience feelings and like acknowledge those feelings. And we were really sad for like a period after that. And it was kind of just fell back into that. Like, Hey, what, yeah. what is meant to be for us? Or should we just, should we just give this up? Should we just enjoy being married? Just us. And, um, yeah, it was a very emotional process and I still sometimes certain things about it hit me and I spend time processing it or, um, like questioning. Yeah. So walk me, continue walking us through the journey. What happens next? It sounds like there's a period where you guys are grieving and feeling all the feels about what happened. This, this family that changed their mind ultimately. Mm -hmm. And so we, that was in, um, that was, Easter Sunday. And so that was, I think, March. And then we went through that whole summer, that fall, that Christmas, waiting for our next call about being matched with someone. And we we didn't receive any of those calls. And it was bizarre because in our first year of waiting, we had received four calls. Um, actually more than that, but we had kind of connected with four expectant mothers. And then there was a second year where we really didn't hear from anyone. And that was after that kind of big hospital experience. And so my sister, who's a hospital social worker, she's an emergency room social worker. And so she um, just has a lot of connections with people who are social workers. She posted on her Facebook. I said, don't you dare put my name on it. I don't want anyone to know that I'm grieving. So few people knew um, our story at that time. And now I'm so open, but at that time, almost no one knew. So I said, don't you dare put my name. Don't you say that like Pauline and TJ are struggling, um, anything like that. So my sister put on her Facebook status. She said, um, I know of a Christian couple looking to adopt. If you know anyone who's facing an unplanned pregnancy um, and would like to talk more, please have them reach out to me. And so actually that was how we got connected to Mary Ellen. Um, It wasn't even through our adoption agency. Um, so Mary Ellen, we whole long story short, but we grew up with her cousins and her, her aunt was our nanny when we were kids. And so I never knew Mary Ellen. Um, but I know all of her cousins. I know her grandma and I know her aunts. I know her mom. Um, and according to my mom, Mary Ellen and I once played together at a Costco food court when like, I think, (laughs) I think I was 10 and I think she was one or something like that. And I guess I chased her around the food court. That's, that's what my mom says. That is so crazy. Yeah. So Mary Ellen's cousin reached out to my sister, Miriam, and she said, hey, we need to talk. Um, This is our situation. And so that was in February 2017. And so Mary Ellen and I started texting and she shared that she was four months pregnant. And um, it was a really private experience that she was having. Um, She did not let a lot of people in. knowing that she was pregnant because she didn't want anyone to influence her decision. 
um, which she may have shared about with you. Um, and so we decided to meet for dinner and TJ and I were kind of like, Hey, at this point we have nothing to lose because we've already been through all these things. And this isn't even a match through our agency. Like we, this is just kind of like, I don't even know, just kind of like a a random opportunity. How do we want to approach this? Yeah. I'm going to guess you didn't go into dinner like super hopeful or excited that this was going to work out more just like we're going to have dinner. If she if this works out, that might be wonderful. If it doesn't, that's okay too. If it seems like it's going to and then she chooses to parent. Well, surprise, surprise. That's happened before. I honestly went in very cynical and I went in very grouchy and I really I don't even know why Mary Ellen felt connected to us because I just I went in like a grouch and I was like, well, it's not going to work out anyway. So why even put my best foot forward? And we sat down at a restaurant with Mary Ellen and her cousin who I knew and then TJ and I and I said so. I mean, it was almost a little bit snark. It wasn't snarky, but it could have probably come across as snarky. I just kind of put myself out there. I was like, well, I was like, we are looking for an open adoption. And if you want a closed adoption, I was like, I'm sorry. I was like, we really don't need to continue the conversation. And she looked at me and she was like, I'm looking for an open adoption. And I was going to tell you that if you wanted a, a closed adoption, that you guys could like walk out the door. And right off the bat, I mean, Mary Ellen is just like, I, I, I cannot believe just how sweet she is and how empathetic she is. And just like how much she let us in, in that dinner conversation. And, um, I don't know. We kind of joke that it was like love at first sight. I love that. And I love that you guys even kind of look like you could be sisters, um, which is just another crazy part of it. For for those of you who are listening, you'll get to see photos, I'm sure. And it's just it's crazy. But I, I want to back up and ask one thing based on what you said. You went in knowing you wanted an open adoption. Why is that? Because I think there are a lot of people that would have said, especially after all that you went through, I just want the kid and no drama. And like, I'm just trying to be real here. I know a lot of people who are like, heck no to an open adoption. So what made you want that? I'm actually really grateful that you brought that up because that was a big turning point in our journey as hopeful adoptive parents. We, through our agency, had to do um, certain trainings. We had to do like background checks and doctor's appointments and things like that. But then we also had to do some um I think it was nine hours of like in-person training. And then we had to do like nine hours of like online classes. Um, And so the in-person trainings, it was three separate weeks and they were each three hours long. And the first one was we got to sit in on a panel of birth moms. And then the second one, we got to sit in on a, with a panel of adoptees. And then the third one was a panel of adoptive parents. And so that was our like mandated agency training And we got to like hear each person's story who sat in the panel. And then everyone who was there got to like engage with them and ask them questions. And um, it was really, really helpful. Honestly, again, I kind of went in like, I know a lot of adoptive parents. I know a lot of adoptees. There's not too much I need to be taught. I'm just like ready to be a mom. I had no idea what I was in for for learning. Um, the adoptee session is what really opened up my eyes to an open adoption. Um, I believe that there were four adoptees, but the one that I connected with the most, she was, I think, nine years old, and she was so confident in her story 
this young woman sat in front of, I would say a hundred hopeful adoptive parents. Wow. And she told her story so confidently. She didn't have any adults speaking for her. Like she just, she was, she was one of the four people on the panel and, um, she had this like confidence and this pride about her. Um, she was like, I get two moms. And she said that at school, uh, someone had made fun of her one time and made a nasty comment to her. And she said that her response was, well, I have two moms that love me. And let me guess, you only have one mom that loves you or something like that. And she had made it part of her like personality. And like, she thought that she just had this leg up on everyone because she had a birth mom and an adoptive mom. And I just Uh remember sitting at her and being like that, like it gave me goosebumps and it gives me goosebumps again to think about because she's the inspiration of how we're trying to raise Kendrick now. Um, So once I heard that, I was like, that's, that's, that's what I'm going for. And so um, that was how we knew that we wanted an open adoption. And honestly, before that panel, I probably would have said like, I'm open to letters and pictures, maybe one visit a year. I don't want my kids to be confused someday. And I heard her talk and it just completely changed my mindset. And honestly, that has guided a lot of, um, our conversations with Kendrick, the terminology that we use with Kendrick and just kind of our, like our hope for how he and Ari and our younger son, Ari, um, for how they, um, understand their stories and how they can retell their stories. Yeah. Yeah. Because Ari has a, has a different story and a different birth mom, but he is also, they were both adopted. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm so glad that you were able to have that experience, which ultimately opened you up to not just being open to an open adoption, but like actually pivoted your, the whole trajectory of your parenting journey and like your plans to raise Kendrick. And anyways, I think that's so cool. Um, okay, let's get real. There are people who probably look at you and Mary Ellen and your story and they're like, that's great, but there's no way they can actually get along that well. And so I guess what I want to ask is like the nitty gritty question we're all wondering, which is, do you ever, have you ever felt jealous or bitter or any type of feeling like that towards her as his birth mom? Was there or is there ever a point where having an open adoption is hard and selfishly you just don't want that and you want them all to yourself? I don't know. Talk to me about that. No, that's such a good question. And honestly, that's something that that we don't talk about enough. Um, and it can feel very, that's a very like vulnerable question to answer, but I'm totally down to answer it. Um, when Mary Ellen gave birth, Kendrick came home with us, um, but she hadn't signed um, the relinquishment papers. And so a mom can take all the time that they need to sign those papers, at least in the state of Illinois. And so she ended up taking 10 days um, to sign. And that was the amount of time that she kind of needed to process and to think. And at the time it felt like a lifetime because we were like holding this baby at home. But I was like, I don't really want like people to fall in love with him or to get attached to him because she might just like take him back. And so actually in those first 10 days, I did have this, like, I wasn't upset with Mary Ellen. I just was really just kind of scared of her. And I haven't, actually process that too much. And so uh, this is, might be one of the first few times that I'm doing that. But, um, I was like, she has this power, like this is her baby. 
And it's funny to look back on now because now I'm like, I just view birth moms completely differently and I, I view motherhood completely differently. And, um, but in, in the moment I felt this kind of like, come on, come on, come on. Like mm-hmm. you're holding all the power. We're just at home powerless. We're falling in love and you could just snatch him back at any time. Right. So I think that those were some of my first feelings like that. And in those 10 date first 10 days, I think we saw her maybe four or five times. And so it was really hard for me to like pass Kendrick to her and let her hold him and take all these pictures with him. And then pass him back to me. And then she would just leave. And I was like, you don't like, do you not want to sign the papers? Like what's going on here? And so that those first 10 days were really hard. Um, once she signed those papers on the day that she signed, we went out to eat and we went and got ice cream and it was really sweet, but it was really, I mean, I think I just didn't realize the extent of the trauma that she was enduring and yes, there's this beautiful baby boy. And yes, she knew what the decision that she wanted to make. And she was, she was confident in her decision. Um, but I think I just did not realize like the gravity of her decision. Um, in hindsight, I wish I had just, I don't know. I don't know what I wish I had had. Um, but after those first 10 days and then he kind of, and then once it was official that we were his parents, I mean, of course it became easier then to, to both be his mom because I had this confidence and I was like, I can breathe deep. Like she can be in love with him. She can take all the pictures she wants with him. She can take him on walks because I'm freaking tired and I'm going to take a nap. Um, But I kind of knew at the end of the day that he was my son. And so I don't know if, if that's pure hearted or evil hearted or the right or the wrong thing to say, but it's, that's just the truth. Um, I I had this sense, I had this sense of relief. Like I was like, but I will say that was kind of then our like stepping stone to having this open adoption and having this trust with each other. Um, Cause from there you probably felt a lot less nervous or threatened to stay in contact. Yes. And so past then I would, I mean, technically, technically past that point, and this should be changed. There should be laws around this, but technically past that point, our adoption agreement could have just gone out the window. I could, I could have changed my, like I could, you can, as an adoptive parent, you can just change your number. You can move. Um, it's really messed up and it's really, really sad. And I would love to advocate for that to change. Um, as soon as things were kind of like settling down, I was like, now this is where we get to begin like their journey of open adoption. And I had, I did have those feelings. Like even when he was like two weeks old, I was like, I'm enjoying my role as mom, but I also want to support Mary Ellen and enjoying her role as birth mom. Um, and I think because we had gotten to know each other throughout her pregnancy and even in those 10 days, like she trusted me enough with her feelings and emotions to share what she was processing And so Mm -hmm. I feel like I just loved her so much. And I, again, it was kind of once I had this comfort of, you know, being officially his mom, I say that in quotes, um, but it gave me this confidence that I was like, okay, now, now I can relax. And now I can kind of foster this relationship between Kendrick and Mary Ellen. And so we used to live about an hour and a half away from each other. Um, and so visits were less frequent. And so we saw each other probably like 
I would say like every three weeks for Kendrick's first year of life. And, um, that's even funny to look back on because now Mary Ellen, Mary Ellen lives, I would say less than a mile from us. And we see her probably four or five times a week. And she's my second pinned contact in my phone. Like she's like truly honest to God, my best friend, um, which goes back to your original question. Like, how can that actually be? I think if you don't fight through the awkwardness, you're not, you're not going to grow. And so if we had stayed stagnant, like let's, let's see each other once a month. Let's not have hard conversations. Let's not tell each other when we've hurt each other's feelings. Um, I think we, we would not be in this place. And I don't think that every adoptive parent and birth parent relationship can function like this. There's certain things that help us. Like we're similar in age, our proximity, things like that. Um, like Kendrick's first year, like we didn't have her come see him on his actual birthday. She saw him the day before things like that. Like she didn't see him on Christmas. She saw him the day before, which is fine. That's, I'm sure that's, that could function fine for a lot of open adoptions. But now I'm like, wait, she needs to see him on his birthday. Or like, Mm -hmm. I want, I want to see her on his birthday. Um, and so Mary Ellen and I, I mean, yeah, there are a lot of things that just kind of help us out, like shared interests and things like that. But we fought through it. Like we had, we had to have some really hard conversations. And I remember, um, I remember when Kendrick was a year and a half old, we were asked to be on NBC news for adoption awareness month. And it was the night before filming. And I had had some like feelings of bitterness and jealousy towards Mary Ellen. And I called her and I remember saying like, I can't go on national TV with you tomorrow, feeling disconnected from you. I need to share what's on my heart and I need to hear what's on your heart. And I need to reconnect with you before we go and do this segment tomorrow, because, or else it's going to feel really forced. And I don't want that. And, um, there was something that had happened earlier that week. That was, I would say probably my first, and I think only really actual feeling of jealousy towards her. And, um, it was just, she had been kind of processing her her time with Kendrick being in her belly with me. And she was kind of processing like um, her time with him in the hospital and very legitimate things to talk about. She caught me on a really bad day when I was totally sleepless. And I think Kendrick was sick. And I just had this feeling of like, I'm his mom. Like, mm. don't rub it in my face that like he came from your belly. It was really bad timing. And what I was feeling was selfish. And I just had to tell her, like, I am feeling feelings of like resentment and jealousy towards you. I don't know if I should always be the person that you process those feelings with. Yeah, that's real. I'm so glad you're letting us in on this because people do look at or will look at your guys' journey and if they just see it for what it is today but don't know all that's gone into making it what it is right I think you know either they'll become discouraged that that could never be possible and I I think my hope and I'm sure your hope is that more adoption would look like this um again we know that not all adoption can nor does everyone want to there's Mary Ellen even said not all birth moms want what she has not all adoptive moms want what you have, but I love that you're naming just the the reality of what, you know, has had to happen for you guys to get where you're at today. 
I, well, and I think exercising that those like lines of communication, I think is so important because it's also modeling to Kendrick that like Kendrick can be open and honest with Mary Ellen or Kendrick can be open and honest with me or vice versa or anything like that. Like, I think it's just kind of modeling this honesty and sometimes the truth sucks. And sometimes the truth is, um, you know, skewed by emotions or, or anything like that. But yeah, it's hard and it's messy, but I don't regret for a second. And I am so thankful that Mary Ellen has been so gracious to us because I've definitely made mistakes in my role as an adoptive mom. Um, one example being just now, like just feeling jealous over like her time with him in his belly, in her belly. And so, um, yeah, but it's real, it's really freaking worth it. So, so you mentioned the word regret and I'm curious what, what would you do differently or, or maybe there's nothing, but what regrets do you have in, in motherhood or in this journey specifically with Kendrick or what have you learned that just if you were doing it today, knowing all that you know now would be different? I would say one of my biggest regrets as an adoptive mom is the way that I handled some of our connections with expectant moms. And I think even just kind of that thought process of like, oh, we're matched, like that's my baby. And that's too preemptive. Um, That is not your baby. If you are a hopeful adoptive parent and you're matched with an expectant mom, that's their baby. And, um, that's something it's a hard lesson to learn, but I think that there's kind of an icky feeling in the adoption world. Um, a lot of people use the phrase, like you got one or like Mm. even just like gotcha day or like, I don't know. There's just a bunch of those and they're just icky. It's like, you know what? Adoption should not need to take place. Adoption shouldn't be a thing. (laughs) We should live in a world where kids can stay with their parents and that people are properly equipped with health insurance and jobs and childcare, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think what I have learned and it's kind of tied into some of my regrets is that adoption shouldn't, shouldn't exist. And I wish it didn't. Um, now, now that I've gotten to know so many incredible birth moms and expectant moms. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing. And I really hate when people congratulate hopeful adoptive parents on their matches. It's kind Mm -hmm. of like, wait, 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 you're kind of moving too fast. Um, And so I took that with what I learned um, through our adoption process with Kendrick. And then I I kind of took it and applied to our adoption process with baby Ari. And so his adoption process looked a little bit different and I won't get into all of it. It was a little bit shorter Um, but what I did do is with Ari's birth mom, we did say to her, Hey, how about now that we've flown out and like met you and we've established this connection and we, you know, have like put a name to a face, we were like, can we come alongside you? And could we support you through parenting Ari yourself? And could we, um, financially support you? and help you pay for childcare and things like that. And then just kind of be just these like godparents that live in a different state. And you can always call like if you need a hand with anything or if there's um, anything tangible that we could help you with or um, be praying for or anything like that. And that was something that 
um, it was hard to say because mm-hmm. in the moment it's like, well, okay, well, there's this, you know, possible baby and baby brother for Kendrick. But I knew I had learned that we couldn't, um, on our conscience, enter into another adoption situation without trying that. And if we had the financial means to adopt and to raise a baby, then we also have the financial means to support this expectant mother who had other children and was just being dealt like a really shitty hand at life in the moment. Um, yeah. I'm so glad you're bringing this up. Yeah. Yeah. And she declined and she said, um, it's so much more than finances. She's like, you guys can't fill in the role of a partner or like emotional, um, support that I need. Um, but I would love to be able to like, look any children that ever come through our home in the eye someday and say like, Hey, we, we did our best to keep you with your family. And you know what? Your family did their best to keep them with you, which is, which is always the case. And so, um, that was, that was, that was big. Yeah. I, I think that's so beautiful. It sounds like the journey went from, yes, you have this desire to be a mom and you knew you were going to do it through adoption, but then it sort of evolved into holding your own desire in one hand and wanting to support and honor and exhaust every effort to allowing another mom to raise her child instead of just being like, all right, we'll take the kid and go. Like, um, that's so beautiful. And, and that's, I mean, even recently on the internet, I've been sharing my heart and my feelings and thoughts as I've evolved as a foster parent, which is vastly different from adoption. And I feel like it so often gets misconstrued, but that's essentially what I'm saying too, is my journey used to be, you know, I'd have this, these foster kids and it was like, oh my gosh, like I got them. Like, don't worry. Like I'll keep them forever and we'll raise them. And, and my intentions while they were pure, there's so much damage behind that because what I've learned through my journey, similar to you, it's like we kind of have to experience it and go through it to grow and evolve. Um, These are things you don't really learn just by reading a a book or even listening to one episode on a podcast. But through my experience, it's like I started realizing just how incredible these families were and empathizing with them and noticing that they wanted to parent, but there were these barriers. And so what what if it, you know, what would it look like for me to set aside my own desires, my own selfishness and exhaust every effort to see them parent first and foremost? And again, it's like at the end of the day, we're there's still going to be need for adoption. No one's saying that like we don't live in a fairy tale where, you know, that that's there's always going to be need for it. And that's that's where it's like, I'm not saying I'm anti-adoption. I'm just saying let's exhaust every effort first for people to parent if it's what they want. And and if they can, if, you know, these resources and different things were provided. So I think we're super aligned on that. And it's really cool to hear uh, your journey because it's obviously very different from mine. I guess now I want to go to a really like in a different direction and ask what your proudest moment as a mother has been. I'm sure there are many. You have these two beautiful sons. Uh, You keep it real, but real means, you know, you talk about the really hard days, hard and long days of motherhood and wanting a break. And then also just how incredible it is and how you wouldn't trade it for the world. So tell me what your proudest moment is. Kendrick was placed for adoption. Mary Ellen could not parent him. She placed him with us. Um, it's really sad and it there's grief involved and there's trauma involved, 
but we have together as a team just taken it and made it the absolute best that we could, that it could be. And now we have this choice of, Hey, this is our, this is the situation. This is our family situation. What do we want to do with it? And we have just chosen to have so much fun with it. Kendrick and Mary Ellen are both so secure in their roles in each other's life. And Kendrick's so confident in his story and he's already emulating the little girl that we, that we saw in the adoption panel. Um, Kendrick came home crying a few weeks ago from school because he asked another child in his class if they had a birth mom and they said no. And so he came home and he felt so sad for this child. And he was like, he said that he only has one mom, but I have two moms. And Kendrick thought that it like, that this kid was like, like missing out or just kind of like, yeah, not succeeding at life because he didn't have these two moms. And like, yes, it's like shitty. And like, I, I really hate that Mary Ellen was put in a, in a position where she couldn't raise Kendrick. Um, but we just have so much fun in seeing even baby Ari, my younger son, like his connection with Mary Ellen, baby Ari has his own separate. I could do a whole other part too, about um, how to have a really incredible open adoption from across the country, but just focusing right now on our relationship with Mary Ellen, like seeing Ari and Mary Ellen and seeing Mary Ellen going to lunch with my sisters and I'll text mm. them and I'll be like, Hey, thanks for the invite. Must've gotten lost in the mail. And they're like, so hey, it was spontaneous. Like we were out shopping and we decided to get lunch. And I'm like, what? You were out shopping? Like what? Oh, um, I love it. I just genuinely, I'm really proud of like what we've done together um, TJ and I and Mary Ellen and Ari's birth mom and Mary Ellen and I, we like to look at each other and we like to just kind of like nod our heads and be like, yeah, like we did that. We did this. Mm. Like we've created a really cool family and we've, I think, normalized things for a lot of people. And we have so much fun together. And like Mary Ellen and I, we, Yes, we love being moms together and we love doing school pickup together. Um, but we also love like going out for drinks and um, pre-COVID going to nightclubs together and things like that. So we have our own separate relationship and it's just evolved so much. And I'm really, I'm honestly, I'm really proud of that too, that we were able to um, have this level of honesty where we really could trust each other and be vulnerable with each other. And now we just kind of get to reap the benefits and not that things can't come up or not that things won't come up. Um, but I think that we've just set this really good foundation for self-confidence for Kendrick and for Kendrick's self-esteem and um, even just like an openness to be able to um, have harder conversations with Kendrick. He's starting to ask more and more questions about um, other biological family members he might have or the color of his skin and things like that. And we, we make a, we make a really good team parenting him. And I'm really, really proud of, of what we've done. It's really fun. I love that. Yeah. It's, I'm sure you hear this a lot and it's kind of an eye roll. At least I would roll my eyes when people said this about our fostering journey too, but it's an inspiration. It really is. It sets the bar really high, but it also just shows people what could be, um, if they're willing. And and like you've said throughout this conversation, it didn't just happen. You know, this has been very intentional and hard, crucial conversations and being willing to say, you know, your really honest feelings, even when it felt awkward or you realized it was selfish or whatever. So 
I just think it's beautiful. And the podcast is called A Longer Table. And the main reason I wanted to have the two of you on is because you're living that out. Like that is what it looks like to build a longer table, not a higher fence. Instead of taking someone's child and then like shutting the door and and putting up a wall, um, you've pulled up a seat at your table. I know even there was a point I Marielle lived with you guys for a while even, I think. So I just I love it. I personally, whether whether you and I or anyone listening shares the same faith doesn't really matter. But the way that I would word it is like, that's to me the way of Jesus. That's the way my husband and I want to live our lives. And for too long, I think Christianity has gotten a bad rap because there are so many people doing the exact opposite in the name of Jesus, which is really sad, really unfortunate. Um, so I really appreciate the way that you guys are living your life. And um, yeah, just Thanks for coming on and sharing all about it with all of us. It's a, it's such a gift. Thank you. Yeah, I love watch, walking this journey with you. And like we've said, there are so many differences between the foster system and the adoption world, but there's also a lot of parallels. And I, it's really nice to know that there are um, foster parents and just parents in the world who have the beliefs that you do. So I'm really thankful for your leadership and um, yeah, your wisdom. Yeah, thank you. I want to end with one final question which is you've already imparted so much wisdom upon us um, and and just sharing your story and being truthful about that. But is there any last words of what you want people to know about adoption? Let's go more specific than that, about open adoption that you haven't shared, that you feel like is a last word you want to leave with them. I would say my encouragement always to foster parents, hopeful adoptive parents, adoptive parents, anyone like that, it's really not as scary or daunting as it seems to um, to give your child their full story and like to give them like the knowledge that um, you have about their biological family and to foster biological relationships. Like my younger son, um, his biological aunt FaceTimes him all the time and he talks to his cousins and he watches them, you know, play their Legos. And it's really, really, really sweet. Um, those boys are Lego geniuses, but it's <laughs> like, it, it, it might not feel natural, but like your, your, this children have so many people who want to be part of their world. And I cannot imagine saying like, sorry, that's too confusing for you to call him, um, or send him a birthday gift or anything like that. And so I think biological families are just so much less scary than people think that they are. Um, and that, yeah, can overlap into foster care and adoption. But I want to give just a word of encouragement that it's really fun to connect with your kid's biological family. Um, it's case by case. And I'm sure, all, you know, all families look differently and function differently, but um I mean, the grandmas that are like right there waiting to love on their grandkids and the aunts and uncles who want to know what's going on, but might feel awkward, you know, checking in and people, I think get worried that, you know, they don't want to impose or they don't want to bother you or, um, I think all of that just needs to go out the window. And I just want to give a word of encouragement that biological families are not as scary as people think that they are. And birth moms are wonderful. Um, but also like birth dads can be really cool and birth grandparents can be really cool and aunts and uncles and cousins. And there's just this whole world out there. Um, 
that's really cool. And it's a really, really cool world to be part of. And it's really cool to witness. Um, mm-hmm. We always say like, we were just kind of lucky to be in the passenger seat of Kendrick and Mary Ellen's journey and Ari and his birth mom's journey. And we just kind of get to take part where we get to take part, but it's not, all, it's not about us. It's about the kid and who they get to have in their lives. And kids have a lot of people in their lives that want to be in their lives. So I would just say um, those are really, really, really fun relationships to explore. Yeah, that's such a good word. And I I so appreciate everything you've shared. It's It's been a real gift. And in our show notes today, we're going to have it uh, so that you can connect with Pauline or Mary Ellen. You can kind of follow along with their journey and their story. You can ask questions. We're also going to share some other things in our show notes for ways that you could support expectant mothers or um, birth families this Christmas in particular. So be sure to check that out. Um, But Pauline, thanks for being on A Longer Table. Thank you so much. It was so good to see you.